We're going to show great heart. DACA is a very, very difficult subject for me. Difficult for you, Mr. President? How about those 800,000 kids? Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A. In Oregon on 91.7 FM, KYAQ on the Central Coast, 106.7 Queso in Cottage Grove. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on 92.9 WLRI. In Maui, Hawaii on 88.5 KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN 94.1. In Palinville, New York on 102.9 WLPP. In Grand Rapids, Michigan on WPRR. In New Orleans on 102.3 WHIV. In Washington, D.C. on 105.5 FM. And Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe at least five days a week on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Deprogrammed Radio, Detour Talk, and Radio Sputnik, amongst others. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow... Says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. Boy, oh boy, Desi Doyen, record heat and wildfires to the north and west of me. Hurricanes to the right. <laughs> and here we are, stuck back in the middle with, uh, with you. Uh, coming up, as if we don't have enough messes to deal with on our hands right now. Between the continuing disaster of Harvey, a new massive hurricane now roiling in the Caribbean and potentially headed towards uh, the continental U.S., Congress returning to session after their summer break with a host of must-pass legislation to avoid government shutdown and default, and North Korea threatening nuclear war, oh, and the Trump administration uh, decided today, with all of that and much more, The Trump administration decided today that they are preparing to deport some 800,000 children of undocumented immigrants who were brought here as children in defiance of the Obama uh, administration policy that had allowed those kids to come out of the shadows, to go to work, to go to 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 go to school, to pay taxes, to live without the threat of deportation hanging over their heads Here in the only country, essentially, that uh, many of them have ever lived in or known. We will be joined momentarily by the great Heather Digby Parton to discuss her take on all of this and what she controversially somewhat thinks Democrats ought to do now in response. Uh, But first, my thanks to Angie Coiro for filling in for us on Friday. Uh, giving Desi and I the opportunity to stand down for a moment over the uh, Labor Day holiday, which we much needed. <laughs> yes. Things have been a little busy <clears throat> lately. doesn't look like they're going to let up at all. No. Busy and, uh, and, by the way, incredibly hot. We got out of town as a record heat was sweeping through 
California and uh, just about an hour before what uh, L.A. Mayor uh, Eric Garcetti had described as the largest fire to ever hit the city of L.A., the Latuna Canyon fire, uh, just after that blew up, um, or I should say just before that blew up, we got out of Dodge. Um, but uh, Angie up in San Francisco uh, braved all of that for us, uh, actually, uh, by bearing record heat up there where it reached 106 for the first time ever on Friday, shattering the all-time record. Before Friday, the hottest day ever recorded in San Francisco by the National Weather Service was 103 degrees. That was back in June of 2000, and the hottest September 1 was a mere 90 degrees Fahrenheit. So the record was just shattered on Friday. So thank you again for bearing that heat and uh, turning out a broadcast for us, Angie Coiro. Much appreciated. Other than that, Desi Doyen, a really slow holiday news weekend. <laughs> am I right? It never stops. It really, it really does never stop. De- uh, North Korea is believed to have tested another atomic weapon. This one thought to be some 10 times larger than their previous test of a nuclear weapon last year. Uh, North, uh, the North uh, Korean leader Kim Jong-un is now claiming that the isolated nation has a hydrogen bomb that is capable of being loaded into an intercontinental ballistic missile capable of reaching the continental U.S. Uh, and at the same time, Trump was said to be preparing to withdraw from our trade deal for some reason with our ally, South Korea, for some reason. Uh, and all of the, all the while, while that was going on, the death toll from Harvey flooding in uh, in Texas and Louisiana has now topped, uh, I think, 60 uh, over 60 was the last number that I saw by most official counts. Estimates of Harvey's economic toll are very high and rising. This week, research from Fundstrat is uh, suggesting that uninsured losses could easily top 200 billion dollars. AccuWeather estimated that the toll could easily top $190 billion. That's more than Katrina and uh, the 2012 superstorm Sandy combined. Yes. Uh, and uh, today, as if we needed more to worry about, <laughs> uh, Hurricane Irma. Now, uh, the most powerful winds ever recorded for a storm in the Atlantic Ocean, Hurricane Irma, uh, bore down on Tuesday on the leeward islands of the Northeast Caribbean on a, a path that could take it to Florida over the weekend. The storm is now a dangerous Category 5, but with these record storm, Desi Doyen, is there... Category 5 is the top category, right? <laughs> yeah, and it's based on wind speed. So at this point, there really isn't a Category 6, which uh, my question is, hey, w- what point do we get do to we Category 6? Do we add a Category 6? Can we, yeah. is that even theoretically possible? You know, there are supposedly theoretical limits to how far the Earth's weather systems can be pushed, how much energy they can uh, they can exhibit, but, uh, we, well, know, but we, you know, we may find out. Well, indeed, and, and this is not actually all of that, unusual in a climate changing world we've seen the, the national weather service has had to add new new colors to the maps in for, uh, for temperature yes for temperature in australia and i think uh, here in the u.s as well if i'm not mistaken uh, yes and also for uh for storm surge as well um you know so what we're talking about here is this this spate of record storms and record extreme weather events happening all at once continuously uh, this is why climate scientists have been predicting for years 
realize that at some point we are going to step up into a new weather regime where our previous highs, our previous extremes become the new normal. And I, I believe that we may already be into that new era of everything that used to be too much and too big is now the new normal. I mean, Harvey was uncharted territory to start with for rainfall. With the Remember, amount of rain, yeah. That was the rainiest rainfall event in U.S. continental history. And now Irma is fast also approaching uncharted territory. We may be in that uh, in that territory. Uh, the storm... Uh, is now posing an immediate threat, as I noted, uh, to the uh, to the Leeward Islands and to the islands north of that, including Antigua and Barbuda, as well as the British and U.S. Virgin Islands and Puerto Rico. Uh, Colorado State University meteorology professor Phil Klotzbach uh, said the Leeward Islands are going to be destroyed. He is a noted hurricane expert. He said, I just pray that this thing wobbles and misses them. Er, uh, er, now a maximum sustained uh, winds for Irma of 185 miles per hour as it approaches the Caribbean from the east, according to the National Hurricane Center. Uh, so one thing to point out mm -hmm. here is that when we say that it is the strongest wind speeds and the strongest storm ever recorded in the Atlantic, that's in the Atlantic Ocean. This is the strongest storm ever recorded outside the warm Caribbean waters and the really, really, really warm Gulf of Mexico waters. So if... As appears to be the case, when Irma moves into the Caribbean, it could very well pick up even more energy. And if it moves into the Gulf of Mexico, then I think we have a, a really serious problem. We, it gives uh, it even yeah. more energy. I, I, we have a serious problem, I, I think, already. I, oh, well, the, yes, uh, yes. The, the, well, no, I, I, but I mean, because it is already uh, such a huge, uh, fast storm and it hasn't even hit those warmest waters you're talking about, Des. Uh, people in uh, the, the two-island nation of Barbuda uh, are being warned right now, seek protection from Irma's, quote, onslaught, according to officials. Uh, their statement ended with, quote, may God protect us all. If this storm stays on track and reaches the Florida Straits, uh, as the water there is warm enough that the already intense storm could become far worse with uh, this, according to Carrie Emanuel, a, an, an MIT a meteorology professor, you could be looking at speeds reaching 225 miles per hour? Yeah, this is where we get into uh, literally uncharted wind speeds. Um, you know, these are the, the meteorologists are running out of superlatives yeah. to describe these storms that we are getting. And what's even worse about this is if it should hit South Florida, um, the population in Central and South Florida has grown by about 4 million people since 2000. Mm -hmm. That means a lot of people, a lot of new people, a lot of new construction, and folks who've never been through a hurricane before in places that maybe buildings should not have been built. Maybe. Yeah. I uh, mean, Miami is maybe. already considering evacuations possibly as early yeah, as Wednesday. I, I, I think they need to. The, uh, the storm is uh, the storm's eye is going to pass um, uh, is at least expected to pass about 50 miles from Puerto Rico on uh, on late on Wednesday. And uh, the National Weather Service uh, says that the uh, Puerto, Puerto Rico has not seen a, a hurricane of this magnitude in almost 100 years, according to the uh, according to AP. But uh, so there's that happening out there. Then we have these wildfires that are happening out here, which, frankly, given all that's going on, almost seem quaint at this point. 
these uh, fires forced thousands to flee from their homes all across the West. Uh, During a a weekend of record heat over the holiday, the fires on Sunday caused evacuations in Glacier National Park in Montana, other parts of the West. Uh, Crews uh, had to rescue about 140 hikers who had spent the night in the woods after a fire broke out along the popular Columbia River Gorge Trail in Oregon. Firefighters uh, had to step up efforts to protect a 2,700-year-old grove of giant sequoia Trees in, that were encroached by flames near Yosemite Park in uh, in California, and uh, I guess some good news here. It was a sudden gust of, uh, of rainstorms that allowed L.A. to cancel the evacuation orders for a wildfire that the mayor had called the largest in history. They had uh, put out uh, evacuation orders for parts of L.A., Burbank, and Glendale, right out here near us. Now the ironic news is that um, I had mentioned last week that um, Hurricane Harvey, that my dad's name is Harvey. Yes. And, of course, everybody hates him now <laughs> because of what happened down there. And it's unusual that anybody is named Harvey these days, uh, much less for a hurricane uh, to be named after my father. But in an even crazier coincidence, the reason why this uh, this wildfire out here in California, in uh, Los Angeles, that had just blown up in no time at all. Just I mean, outside it just, of Burbank. Just outside of Burbank. Bank here, uh, just miles from our studio. This went absolutely nuts over the weekend, and then suddenly it kind of went out thanks to another hurricane or a tropical storm, I guess, in this case, in the Pacific. In the Pacific Ocean. Um, This uh, tropical storm blew up and hit Baja, California, and uh, has uh, residual storms, went up to Los Angeles, and of course the irony... Well, it helped put out the fires, (laughs) and the irony is that storm was named... Lydia, which is my mother's name. Right. So, uh, you know, once again, mom uh, cleaning up all of my father's messes after him, I guess. Uh, I mean, what are the odds? What are the odds of that? Quite impossible. We were talking earlier how how Hurricane, remember there was Tropical Storm Dawn in the Atlantic at the same time that there was Tropical Storm Hillary in the Pacific. Yeah, what is going on here? Not much longer it was Tropical Storm Lydia. (laughs) I mean, what are the odds? I know, it's kind of amazing. But in any case, uh, thanks mom for putting out the fires out here in L.A., that, at least, is much appreciated. Um, but uh, fires uh, continue to burn up and down the Sierra Nevada, uh, further to the northwest. Um, they, As I said, they were uh, f- fighting to protect those 2,700-year-old uh, uh, sequoia trees, these huge, beautiful sequoia trees in, uh, in Yosemite and some of the structures there that are really old to 19th century cabins that they've been uh, trying to protect. Up in Washington state, the governor has proclaimed a state of emergency across all counties as major fires there, closed recreation areas as well. Flames in Montana's Glacier National Park prompted officials to evacuate all res- uh, residents and campers there. So this is what a world of climate change looks like or is at least beginning to look like. That said... Um, all small problems, really, uh, compared to what may come with uh, with Hurricane Irma and the devastation that still remains from Hurricane Harvey, where that massive cleanup is now just beginning in some places. And according to AP, more irony here, I suppose, day laborers, many of them immigrants and many of them in the country illegally, are reportedly now in very high demand. 
As workers are, uh, are trying to clear debris and make way for plumbers and electricians and drywall installers and, and carpenters, all of that is going on. And yeah, all of a sudden, these undocumented immigrants are in very short supply uh, at a time when many of them are needed to help with the cleanup. Uh, rescuers, by the way, from the uh, flooding in, uh, in Houston and elsewhere included many DACA immigrants themselves, those so-called dreamers, some of whom are whom now serve as paramedics. One DACA recipient, at least, was in fact killed while trying to rescue others during Hurricane Harvey. His body was recovered on Monday as the Immigrations and Customs Enforcement Agency, or ICE, was reportedly denying his mother entry to the U.S. for his funeral. And that comes as the Trump administration announces some 800,000 so-called dreamers, children of undocumented immigrants, uh, as 800,000 of them may soon be forced out of this country, despite it being the only land that many of them have ever known. That story and Heather Digby-Parton are all ahead on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. <laughs> Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast, both brought to you without corporate or political influence, because we rely on you to help keep us completely independent. Please drop by bradblog.com slash donate today and help us stay on your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com slash donate. You'll thank yourself later. I'll thank you now. I was brought when I was 11. I came when I was 7 from Brazil. I was about 10. I was 12 years old. I was 7 years old. About 8 years old when I came to the United States with my mother and my sister. We crossed the border, but we were little. My father was the first one to leave Mexico and come here in 2000. And then in 2001, my older siblings. So I've been here 18 years. I'm 29 years old. I am 20. I am 19 years old. I've been here for 21 years. I am 27 years old now. I am 23 years old and I am originally from Mexico. I'm here today to announce that the program known as DACA that was effectuated under the Obama administration is being rescinded. When DACA was announced, I remember exactly where I was in 2012. Um, I was at the Museum of um, American History. Before DACA, I always felt like I was in between two worlds. I was born in Honduras, but if I were to go back to Honduras, it's like I'm foreign to them. It's a tug of war. When you're undocumented, you're always just wary of the situations, of the locations, who you're talking to, how you're interacting with folks, ensuring that you don't do anything that will bring attention to you because you live a life of shadows. You know, I have been able to accomplish a lot more than when I was um, undocumented to get a social security number, loans from the bank, buy the car, a better job. I would leave behind a network of friends, family that are, that are here, um, because a lot of us actually are part of mixed status families. It's scary for me because, you know, the type of job that I have, you know, motivating others and trying to tell them, like, it's okay when I don't even know if it's going to be okay. Every time my parents call me after 11 p.m., it's like my heart is racing. When you are an immigrant in this country, you wake up every day with the fear that you could 
be taken away, right? That your family could be broken up. Well, I have been preparing my kids of, you know, this are the risk. Um, this could happen to your dad and to me. I just can't can imagine, you know, my, my nieces and nephews being separated from their parents or them going back to a country that they don't know because this is their home. They shouldn't, they shouldn't live with that fear that I had to grow up with. That's not a normal life, like, that's not normal. And I know that, like, my friends that are U.S. citizens don't go through that. And nobody should go through that. I'm not leaving my home. And I think, you know, if Trump ever wanted to talk to us, if wanted to talk to the Dreamers, he would realize that we love this country, we want to stay here. And if it's taken away, I'm losing my job. I'm losing the opportunity to work in school. People don't understand, but it's a big thing. It's a huge thing. It's privileges that some people here take for granted. Taking DACA away is like taking a family member away from me. That wall that Donald Trump wants to, to build, you know, is putting a wall in front of me where I won't be able to move forward. Our politicians are using us um, like a sport, you know, they're, they're using us like punching bags. You are not just taking something away from, from us, but you're taking something away from this country. Democrats and Republicans alike have to stand up for us because there are DACA beneficiaries in every state. It's not just blue states. This land is not a white America. It's not, this is a land of immigrants. I mean, I was already a person before DACA. A lot of people see, oh, well, you know, what's gonna happen after DACA? I'm not going down without a fight. You know, whatever happens next, I love this country and I, I belong here. I'm fighting for my family. I'm fighting for the friends of mine that can't even stand up because they're scared. We just want to stay here and contribute to this country, to the economy. We are good people. We're not criminals. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. That was a compilation of thoughts from Dreamer Kids uh, posted today by the New York Times uh, mixed in with uh, some of uh, Attorney General Jeff Sessions' announcement about ending the DACA program, Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. As you may have heard by now, uh, President Donald Trump on Tuesday began dismantling the government program that protects hundreds of thousands of young immigrants who were brought into the country illegally as children. Attorney General Jeff Sessions, not Donald Trump, but Jeff Sessions, declared the Obama administration's program today, quote, an unconstitutional exercise of authority that must be revoked. New applications will be halted for President Barack Obama's DACA program, which has provided nearly 800,000 young immigrants a reprieve from deportation and the ability to work legally and, by the way, pay taxes in the U.S. in the form of two-year renewable work permits. The administration is giving Congress six months at this point to come up with a legislative fix. Should it choose to, as Sessions said today, before the government stops renewing permits entirely for people already covered by the program? According to the Department of Homeland Security officials, uh, people with permits whose renewals are now set to expire between now and March 5 of 2018 will be able to reapply so long as their applications are submitted by October 5 of this year, that is one month from Tuesday. In a statement, Donald Trump said the change would be, quote, a gradual process, not a sudden phase out. 
He said, I'm not going to just cut DACA off, but rather provide a window of opportunity for Congress to finally act, he said. He said he did not favor punishing children for the actions of their parents, but at the same time, he said, we must also recognize that we are a nation of opportunity because we are a nation of law and young Americans have dreams, too, he said. His action, uh, no surprise, drew, drew swift criticism from many Democrats and immigration activists who sort of uniformly described the administration's policy as unconscionable, inhumane, moving our country backwards. Former President Obama, who has remained largely quiet on most of Trump's policies, even his most objectionable ones uh, since taking office, he uh, took the opportunity today to come out and issue a statement calling Donald Trump's decision to phase out DACA cruel and self-defeating. And while not mentioning Trump by name in the statement, said that a shadow has been cast over some of the nation's best and brightest young people, adding that targeting them is wrong, quote, because they have done nothing wrong. A number of Republicans objected as well. Senator John McCain of Arizona said that uh, Trump was uh, taking the wrong approach, and he added that the federal government has a responsibility to defend and secure our borders, but he said we must do so in a way that upholds all that is decent and exceptional about our nation. Trump's announcement came the same day as a deadline set by a group of Republican attorneys general who said that they would challenge DACA in court unless the Trump administration rescinded the program that is a suit that uh, Attorney General Jeff Sessions said the administration would be unable to defend against, arguing that Obama's executive action might not hold up in court and saying that allowing the lawsuit to proceed would throw the program into far more chaos than the move that they did choose. House Speaker Paul Ryan, for his part, said in a statement that he hoped the House and Senate, with the president's leadership, will be able to find consensus on a permanent legislative solution that includes ensuring that those who have done nothing wrong can still contribute as a valued part of this great country. So at this point, uh, while I suspect this will go to court, it also more immediately goes to Congress, uh, to our <laughs> dysfunctional Congress. What will happen there? I think is anyone's guess. Uh, but writing about all of this over the weekend and uh, still today is our friend Heather Digby Parton. I want to take a quick break and come back with her. She has an interesting idea, an interesting and let's say controversial proposal about all of this. That is straight ahead. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today. That's bradblog.com donate and thanks. Well, I rode that ribbon highway. I saw above me the endless skyway. I saw below me the golden 
Yeah, well, apparently it was only made for some of us. Uh, some of us uh, who uh, had the, the luck of the draw to be born here. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com on Tuesday. Uh, the Donald Trump administration announced they would be ending the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, or DACA, program, uh, casting some 800,000 young immigrant dreamers, as they are known, uh, to the wind in some six months' time if Congress itself cannot, at this point, implement a fix to work around Donald Trump's newest policy. Writing about all of this over the weekend is our old friend Heather Digby Parton. She is also uh, known to many of you on the Internet as simply the great Digby. She's the creator and the of the long-running Hullabaloo blog, a regular contributor at Salon.com, and a winner of the prestigious Sidney Hillman Prize for Opinion and Analysis Journalism. She is, of course, also a longtime friend of the Brad blog and the Bradcast. Oh, Heather Digby Parton, welcome back. Oh, thanks for having me, Brad. Thank you. Uh, you know, coming after this weekend, largely everything that I had actually hoped to talk to you about, Heather, before the holiday weekend from, uh, let's see, the foreboding Arpaio pardon to the cruel military trans ban to the coming fights over government shutdowns and debt ceilings and tax cuts. All of that has sort of been washed away in the floodwaters, uh, burnt away in fires across the West, blown away by this nuclear brinksmanship with North Korea. Uh, and, and now with what many, including yourself at Salon today, describe as unspeakably cruel news for, uh, for children, many of them young adults who came to the U.S., with her parents seeking prosperity in the American dream, whatever that means anymore. So let's start with that, with the, the big picture of essentially ending DACA. What does this news mean uh, for our nation as a whole? Again, the helicopter view and, and, and for those huddled masses who once looked to the, uh, to the U.S. yearning to be free at this point. Well, I mean, I think it's a historically, uh, you know, this is going to be seen as an historic day. Um, the, the idea that, that, you know, this president would, I mean, it's one thing to sort of let things kind of slide and, you know, his nasty rhetoric over the past, you and I have been talking about it since mm -hmm. 2015, um, and sort of say, well, you know, he's, you know he's, he's kind of a showman and he's sort of somebody who's, who's uh, activated the, the racist, bigoted, xenophobic id of the of white america because they have all these anxieties and he's sort of exploiting that this is real this is a real thing that they are doing potentially to up to you know close to a million people this mm -hmm. isn't just some you know a few people you know like living down at you know on the border of tijuana or something i mean this is a million people mm -hmm. all over the united states deeply embedded into our economy, into our culture, into our communities. And they're basically saying, you don't, you know, we're not going to let you stay here because of this ridiculous technicality that says that, you know, their parents weren't citizens. And so the fact that they were brought here with no say in it and had absolutely no control over what was happening to them, they're going to have to pay for that decision by their parents. And it's, it's really an ugly, ugly, you know, we've seen since Trump took office, 
we've seen that picture of the Statue of Liberty crying many, many times. Mm. This is the day, I think, when it uh, really comes home. That That is the, the Emma Lazarus poem that's on mm. the bottom of there, says everything, mm-hmm. and uh, Trump has just basically defaced it, I think. You uh, you write today at Salon, I, and I think with no small amount of, of anger, I, I read in your writing. Uh, <laughs> you think? <laughs> yeah, uh, about the, about Trump's prior claim to have heart on this issue, uh, and uh, maybe that's one of the reasons that this didn't happen on day one, because you know he, as he had promised during the campaign, he was going to cancel it on day one. But no, he, then he decided he had heart. Uh, but it seems there was a lot of buck passing in the way that this has been rolled out. It's now firmly in Congress's court at this point, it seems, to stop nearly a million kids who, as you say, Heather, came here uh, through no fault of their own from being deported. And then Trump himself didn't even make the announcement, having his attorney general do it instead. Uh, So in addition to what feels to me like heartlessness, there also seems to be sort of no small part of uh, amount of, of, of cowardice here as well on behalf of the president, no? Absolutely, and I think cowardice is the way to put it, not heart. Yeah. <laughs> it's not heart. Um, you know, this, this has been one of the most annoying aspects of this entire process to me, as particularly in the last few days as it, you know, started to leak out. Well, they mm-hmm. had this arbitrary deadline that was set up by the Texas Attorney General mm-hmm. and his lawsuit uh, which he was suing that if the government didn't, you know, he was going to take the government, the federal government to court over DACA. And he set this arbitrary deadline of September 5th. It's a meaningless date. There was no reason the president or anybody else had to follow it. They could have let it go to court. This was not, you know, like the world wasn't going to come to an end if mm-hmm. they let this happen. But they decided to use that, of course, as their drop-dead deadline. And as this was coming out, uh, over the past week, we've been hearing, you know, where's, what's he going to do? You know, gosh, you know, he loves the dreamers. He says he told them to rest easy, and he really does mm-hmm. have great care. The press has been pushing this idea that Trump didn't want to do this. Now, I guess that's theoretically possible, but all the evidence points the other direction. During the campaign, he campaigned on this. Mm-hmm. He clearly went out and said, and they asked him point blank, well, I mean, would you really send these DACA, these Dreamer kids out? And he goes, yep, they've got to go. They've got to go. And he has gone much further than that. He said that he wants to end birthright citizenship so that kids born here, the American children of undocumented immigrants, would be denied citizenship. I don't even know. I don't know if anybody ever asked him if he'd revoke it, but I wouldn't be surprised if he did. Mm. Absolutely, they are not American citizens, he said. He has said over and over again, he he extolled the virtues of Operation Wetback from the 1950s, Mm. where they rounded up over one and a half million people, Latinos, many of whom, I shouldn't say many, but a a fair portion of whom, Mm -hmm. were American citizens, and took them and dropped them off on the other side of the border. And he used to tell this funny story on the stump about how, well, they took them over, and then they'd come right back, and then they took them a little farther, and then they'd come right back. Finally, they took them so far, they never came back. Ha, 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 and his crowd cheered wildly. And, I mean, this is who he is. I'm sorry. The idea that he has heart and he cares about these kids you know, he said at that stupid press conference he had back in February, I think it was, the only real free-ranging press conference he's had, he said, you know, that they're kids, I have kids, I've got grandkids, I love kids. You know, like, we're supposed to believe that. Considering the fact, and think about this, he said today kids shouldn't pay the, 
the price for their fathers. This is a guy who wanted to round up Syrian immigrants, including children, and send them back to that war zone. This is the heart that we're talking about. So I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I'm tired of the press saying this. And, in fact, just a few moments ago, I heard a New York Times reporter on CNN saying that, you know, Trump has more leeway with his base than he thinks. That, you know, there's a virtue signaling going on where they disagree with something until Trump says it. Well, that's fine. That's called a cult. And Trump knows that very well, and he says things not because his base wants him to. He says things because he wants to, and his base loves it. It is not the other way around. He's not being led around by, by his, his base, and, oh, my goodness, you know, they, they're running things. He's running things, and they love it. That's how that works. Cults have leaders and followers, and that is what the, you know, the Trump base is. They are a cult. They are cult followers. And they, whatever he says, they will follow. And it's true. And he knows it, too. If he had said that he was going to save DACA, they all would have gone, oh, look at him, he's so hard. You know, he's just such a great guy, and, you know, we love, he loves kids. They would have gone along with that. This, he didn't have to do this. He did it, not have to do it. It's, it's interesting. There's sort of, an, uh, there's sort of an echo of the fight over health care here, where you had, uh, you know, of course, uh, Republicans for years saying, oh, we need to end Obamacare. It's a disaster. And then when it came down to it, they realized, well, it's not really that much of a disaster. It's going to take away uh, health care from uh, tens of millions of Americans if we do this. I'm, 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 I'm getting some of that from some of these Republicans as well. We had mentioned that uh, uh, those uh, states attorneys uh, general who had been you know, threatening this lawsuit, uh, one of them in Georgia, uh, and and I I should have his name here, but I don't have it at the tip of my fingers. He deserves some credit because... Once he uh, saw what's actually about to happen, he said, you know what, this is not the way to do it. Uh, there are some Republicans. Paul Ryan has said he's against it. But then again, he's, you know, going to be, you know, he, he's certainly not coming out and saying Donald Trump was wrong for doing this. He, he should never have done it. Now they're looking at uh, how they're going to fix this mess in Congress, essentially. As uh, Josh Marshall at TPM uh, describes it, uh, what what Trump is doing here is satisfying his core supporters, but doing it in a way that he won't get blamed for it. Josh writes, what the president is doing is the executive action equivalent of flying the plane up to 10,000 feet, tossing the dreamers out the door and yelling after them, hey, I hope you have a parachute, or if you don't, <laughs> that Paul Ryan can get you one really fast. <laughs> Uh, he says, uh, he adds, actually, there's one small difference. He had Jeff Sessions toss them out of the plane in this case. Well, I think Jeff Sessions actually wanted to make that speech. <laughs> he probably, uh, yeah. you know, probably begged for the privilege of doing it because yeah. this is something he's been dying for. And in fact, he is personally responsible for rounding up the votes that were necessary to kill comprehensive immigration reform mm -hmm. and to kill the DREAM Act. Both of those things, Jeff Sessions fought those things when he was in the Senate. Mm -hmm. And, by the way, I'm sure he's working the levers to fight them, to fight any kind of a fix for the Dreamers in, in, the, in the Congress as well. This is, he does not want this to happen. Now, there is an interesting uh, theory floated, and, in fact, John Cornyn, of, you know, the deputy uh, majority leader in right. the Senate, said today, that uh, uh, he sort of brought this up, and others have been hinting around about it, that this is possibly a deal. And I think this may be really what Trump was about, too. Uh, instead of having a change of heart, I think what he saw was a bargaining chip. 
um, and what they are talking about doing mm-hmm. is potentially doing something for the dreamers. Now, I'm not. I'm sure it won't be as good as what the Dream Act was or what comprehensive immigration reform would have given them, which would be a path to citizenship. Mm-hmm. That that I'm sure is off the table. The the Republican base will never stand for it. But something to help them. You know, continuing. Um, you know, work permits or that sort of thing, mm-hmm. like a DACA sort of thing, but ongoing. Um, but in any case, what what I think the deal is is that you know Trump wants his border wall, and um, that they're talking about doing some kind of a DACA fix for in return for the border wall, for more detention centers, for more limits on legal immigration, a lot of stuff that Jeff Sessions might feel is worth it. Um, and that he may have convinced Trump is worth it. I mean, this was always sort of floating in the ether around this DACA thing from the time Trump took office, Mm -hmm. that there was a deal possibly in this where they could work out something to really, you know, really stick it to immigrants, but at the same time give these popular immigrants, which the the Dreamers are tremendously popular, 86%. Of the American people think they should stay. Right. This is, the, you know, th- this is not a controversial issue at all with the public. Um, so they, you know, they, I think that they thought there might be something, and I think that that might happen. Uh, now the question, though, is, is that they've got a group in in the House, uh, and yeah, a fairly sizable group in the Senate as well, but it's mostly in the House where the action is. Paul Ryan said we should do something. They have 40 members of the Freedom Caucus who just met with Steve Bannon on Monday mm-hmm. to uh, strategize around all the, this. The right way, the so-called Freedom Caucus. used to be the Tea right, Party right. Caucus, now the Freedom Caucus, yeah. Whatever. They're the, you know, right. they're the, they're the super fringe. Right, <laughs> and, right, the right way. And, and they are the, the ultimate, you know, they are the, the just-say-no uh, caucus. Right. Uh, they do not, they, they don't like anything. <laughs> I right, mean, anything. Right. No matter who's proposing it, they, right. they say no. So in this case, Bannon, who, you know, is, has been exiled from the White House, but is still sort of working that sort of flank uh, from the outside, he had a long meeting, apparently, with Mark Meadows and the other leadership of that caucus mm-hmm. in the House. And we don't know what they talked about, but we can sort of piece together the idea that they talked about immigration, that this, was, this is one of Bannon's big topics. The Freedom Caucus, they're very hardcore and very hard line on this. And Bannon has been said in the past to have thought that the Dreamer, he hates all immigrants and he wants them all out, except the Dreamers who he thinks are, quote, culturally American, so they could potentially stay, which is very interesting sort of insight into the way Bannon thinks. Remember, he's always claiming that he is not uh, a white nationalist of any kind, and he's certainly not, you know, one of those people who is xenophobic. He loves people from all over the world. He's just an economic nationalist. Well, that's BS. If what he's saying is, is that if you're, quote, culturally American, which means white, uh, that maybe you can stay, then he is very clearly signaling what it is he's actually about. So we'll have to see. I don't know uh, what's happening with that. Nobody does. But there is some activity happening around that that could lead to something maybe for the dreamers. Well, and, and Trump actually leads his 
cult <laughs> in the right direction, maybe they can be saved. I know. Got I, I, yeah, because I want to ask, because you wrote uh, specifically uh, about one point, one possible uh, trade for a DACA fix uh, today at Salon, and I want to get I want to get to that question and to the, the politics of what is possible and not possible at this point, but um, in, his, in his statement today, before I get there, uh, Attorney General Sessions called the Obama-era DACA or, or Dreamer policy an open-ended circumvention of immigration laws. He said it was an unconstitu- unconstitutional use of executive authority. Please. Uh, and he said, well, the, he says the executive branch through DACA deliberately sought to achieve what the legislative branch, Congress in this case, specifically refused to authorize on multiple occasions. Uh, in fact, he is right in, in on that point, is he not, that Congress is supposed to be doing this, Congress is supposed to be taking action, and it has been like a decade, where, you know, almost a decade here at this point, where they have not taken action, they have not <laughs> done anything. Yeah, mostly thanks to him, <laughs> the immigration, to, to Jeff because Se- he was the guy doing it. He's right, of course. And, you know, I mean, that's not the way it's supposed to work. Obama's mm-hmm. uh, executive order wasn't supposed to work that way. That's not... You know, we're, we're, the executive isn't supposed to make laws. I mean, that, right. and I think there's there's an absolutely legitimate legal argument to be made about that. It cannot be made by the, <laughs> by the administration that uh, came into office with a travel ban that was so unconstitutional that his acting attorney general <laughs> refused to uh, enforce it and right. was fired right. for it. Right. I mean. This, or or he just pardoned Joe Arpaio mm-hmm. from you know for because he had defied court orders. I mean, for them to sit there and talk about how you know the rule of law and the Constitution, uh, it's a joke. Mm. And a clear, you know nobody loves executive orders more than Donald Trump does. It's he he practically you know he signs them for fun. This is his this is his baby. And you know executive orders are perfectly lawful in many ways, and many of his have been too. Mm-hmm. But he is not someone who's ever uh, shown any concern for constitutionality uh, up until this moment, and now suddenly they're waving it around, you know, like it's, it's now the Bible. Now he cares, yeah. Now he, yeah. Well, okay, but all of that said, yes, it is the uh, Congress's job. They should have taken action on this. They didn't. For many years, uh, Obama basically begged them to do so for years before he finally just implemented the executive order that is now known as DACA. Um, but with uh, him lifting DACA and basically saying, look, you got six months to fix this, he's now saying, Congress, you need to do your job. You need to fix this. Now, whether he was right or wrong to do it in the way that he did, doesn't this now put the ball into Congress's court? Don't they absolutely have to do something at this point? And well, and then I can ask you about whether whether Donald Trump will actually sign it on on the other end. Uh, but it, w- won't this uh, finally force Congress to do their jobs? Isn't this ultimately maybe a good thing? Well, if if it does, then I think at the end of the day, yes, to have the the Dream Act or some reasonable you know, version of it mm-hmm. codified under law is, of course, the, the preferable way to do this. Nobody, you know, no, nobody should be stuck in this sort of limbo, even with 
with the, you know, DACA instituted mm-hmm. as it was under Obama, it was never a perfect fix. Everybody knew that could be rescinded, that, you know, the courts could strike it down. There were always problems. So if this gets fixed, doesn't Donald Trump deserve credit for, no. for it? No? Absolutely not. He ran on uh, reversing it. Right. He basically demagogued uh, the immigration issue to the point where he's turned, he's ripped this country apart with that anti-immigration rhetoric. He basically, and if he does this, it will not be done without a price to be paid. And I can almost guarantee there's going to be something horrible that is going to have to be extracted in order to get this. My mm. personal feeling is is that he's going he's going to insist on getting his stupid wall. Mm-hmm. And they're going to insist on getting on even the toughest kind of enforcement you can imagine. Now, you know, those are things I, I wrote in my salon piece that I think it's worth it. And mm-hmm. I think that the Democrats should probably go along with it as, you know, fight it to the extent they can in order to get. Well, l- let me underscore that because there's kind of a controversial statement, at least if you, if you read the comments over there at Salon in response to your piece. I know. Uh, you said uh, essentially in, in the notion that there would be a trade for, uh, you know, fixing uh, DACA, uh, approving DACA legislatively in exchange for uh, funding uh, Donald Trump's border wall. You write, if this becomes the deal, Democrats may be tempted to vote against it and let the Republicans fight it out between them. But you said, I think they should probably vote for it as long as such a trade provides a guarantee that the Dreamers will get a path to citizenship. Now, I can't imagine there would be any path for citizenship uh, in any such deal. But well, that said, uh, a, a trade uh, approved DACA in exchange for wall funding, yeah. Democrats should take it? Yeah. Well, we'll call it a jobs program. Um, it's, honestly, I, the wall is such a daft, stupid idea that it's not even really buildable. I mean, people who, you know, talk about this stuff go, mm-hmm. uh, we don't know what he's talking about. You know, we're going to have to <laughs> dam up the Rio Grande, you know. It's right. like, it's ridiculous. So let him have it. It's another Trump boondoggle, like, you know, Trump Soho or those condos that he was building down in Florida that fell apart. Mm-hmm. Um, it's expensive, insanely ridiculous waste of money, no doubt about that. And it's a Trump scam from top to bottom. It would be... The wall. You're talking about the wall. wall. Yes, I'm talking about the wall, which he would then be able to say, it's such a Trump deal, right? He got the American taxpayers to pay for something that shouldn't cost anything, i.e. the dreamers getting the the ability to stay in the country that is, you know, morally Mm -hmm. their own. Uh, and he gets he gets them he gets the taxpayers to pay for something that should that shouldn't cost anything. That's a Trump deal. And right. at the end of the day, that whole thing is going to be a boondoggle disaster of epic proportions. You know, my joke in my piece in Salon is that you know he 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 actually has said, well, we have to build the ball. The wall has to be transparent so that you can see whether or not somebody's dropping uh, big bags of drugs over the top and it might hit somebody in the head and i'm not kidding (laughs) when i say that he actually said that yeah i know he did so so my joke is let's just build the invisible wall and we'll tell him that mexico paid for it yes (laughs) and maybe we can end this whole thing but honestly i'm being very i'm being arch about this but i i honestly think that this is uh 
worthwhile. I think that if it is the wall for the dreamers, I think the dreamers definitely uh, have the moral high ground. And we, uh, you know, this is a lot of people whose lives are at stake and they are contributing to this country. They didn't, and not only did they not ask to come to this country, they voluntarily came forward when President Obama put forth the DACA policy Mm -hmm. and they gave the government all the information about who they were, where they were. They came out of the shadows yep. uh, under the assumption that they could trust the U.S. government. And I just don't think you can let them down. I just, I, it's unimaginable to me that if there is a way to do this, that we don't do it. And uh, Trump gets no credit. He tortured them. He treated them like dirt. So have the Republicans for years. And I think the Democrats can throw that in their face. And that's why I think they should vote for it, because I think they should say, look, we were always there from the very beginning, and we voted for it every step of the way, and we, at the end of the day, we came for it here, too. And I think they will get credit. Well, and as we saw in uh, East Berlin, at least walls can always come down. Exactly. I look forward to the day we could have a, you know, take that wall Take down that one here. down. Uh, Heather Digby, pardon, I've got just a, a, a minute or two left here, so I want to try to hit this. Why now? Why is it? I know they say it's because of the attorneys general were about to launch that suit, but really? I mean, we've got, uh, you know, a disaster still unfolding in Texas and Louisiana with Harvey. We've now got this uh, what could be the the largest hurricane anybody's ever seen uh, in Irma heading this way. We've got wildfires out west. Congress is back with all of this must-pass legislation to keep the government from shutting down and defaulting before the end of this month, not to mention his tax cuts that he wants. Why now? Why is he suddenly uh, <laughs> bringing this up now? It seems like he could, you know, take a lot of credit for, oh, you know, pretending to be presidential and in the face of these hurricanes uh, and, and, and so forth. Why now? Why suddenly do this now? You know, that's a great question, and I honestly do not have an answer. It seems nuts, doesn't it? I mean, it, sep- yeah. this September is so full of legislative must pass legislation mm-hmm. and it's going to go through and it's going to be a bloody fight it's already terrible mm-hmm. you know with the debt ceiling and the budget and oh my god i honestly do not understand it and my feeling is i think with the trump administration it's better not to overthink it <laughs> I think well, maybe. Probably, they just they just threw it out they oh we got a deadline okay bleh, you well know, you know I, did it. I i'll tell you i'll just you know give you my thought and i by the way i forgot to mention uh, uh you know potential nuclear war with north korea oh, right. and all oh, of that. that as well yeah <laughs> where he could again if he wanted to at this point you know he could look like he's protecting us and 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 be yeah. tough and watch his approval ratings go up with all yeah. of that stuff which is why you know it's it's odd to me that he's doing this now it feels almost just manic to me i'm yep. wondering if it's about you know keeping the special counsel's uh uh team trump investigation out answer. of the yep. headlines any way possible but let me just leave it with at, at this point uh you know after years of republicans not getting this done not you know being unwilling to do anything here is there a chance? Is there a chance somehow that uh, Speaker Ryan and uh, uh, Majority Leader McConnell can actually pull this off? I guess I guess at this point they have until March of next year. So that's a long deadline for them. Hell, they got six months. 
does this get fixed or does this just devolve into even more of a disaster than our, our country is facing now at this point? Well, I'll just say I wouldn't have bet that they couldn't pass uh, the Obamacare repeal. Uh, so I'm not going to bet they can get this done either. Uh, they don't seem to be able to do much. But I'm, gonna, I'm going to hope against hope, the same way I hoped against hope, that they wouldn't be able to repeal Obamacare, that they will be able to pass something to save this, you know, these 800,000 Americans uh, from being deported to a country they, they don't know. I mean, that I'm, I'm, mm. I'm still going to hope they can do it. And, and, of course, there is a chance. Uh, whether they will, I, I don't know. I do know that John Cornyn said today that they weren't even going to look at it until after October. So, you know. so a lot of sleepless nights for a lot yeah. of uh, yeah. hun- hundreds of thousands. Yeah, for 800,000 yeah. people, yeah. Just horrible. Uh, made only slightly better, Heather, by having you here to talk oh. about it. Uh, thank you. <laughs> I, I greatly Thanks, appreciate it, and uh, I suspect we'll be doing it again soon. Heather Digby Parton, find her work every day at uh, salon.com and over at the Hullabaloo blog at digbysblog.blogspot.com. And finally, on the Twitters at digby56. Thanks, Heather. Thank you, Brad. Thanks for having me. You bet. Okay. Well, we got to get out here. Uh, boy, there's been so many stories over the past uh, week or so that I've been trying to cover. But for all of the, uh, well, I was going to say all of the climate madness and all of the Trump administration madness makes it very hard. If this was their uh, their idea to cause chaos to keep folks like me from covering stuff that needs to be covered. Well, that part at least seems to be working. Yes. Uh, a quick update here. Uh, Florida Governor Rick Scott is uh, updating uh, folks right now on Hurricane Irma, which is still uh, a, a Category 5 at this point, and that hurricane could turn towards his state over the weekend, turn towards our state of Florida. Miami-Dade County... Uh, officials have already begun or will begin uh, evacuating special needs residents on Wednesday oh, in good. anticipation of this. I think a lot of people are going to need to be evacuated. If this storm stays on the track it's currently on, who knows? It could fall apart and, and not run be away a and all. not be a problem and at all. That, that would, be would be very nice. That would be great news indeed. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to my guest today, Salon's Heather uh, Digby-Parton, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, you can, as ever, download it for free anytime from bradblog.com. You can find, follow, and share our work on the Facebooks and the Twitters at The Brad Blog. It is greatly appreciated. And uh, my thanks, as ever, to those of you who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to actively help us continue to do what we try desperately to do every day over your public airwaves. That is it. Until we meet again tomorrow, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.